For many coming into the city from the west, the drive on the Eisenhower Expressway under that massive building at Van Buren before crossing over the river is truly a sight to behold, but few seem to know much about its history. So today we're talking about the Old Main Post Office. I'm Tommy Henry, and this is the Chicago History Podcast. Before we get started, yes, I'm fully aware that Chicago at various times has been named as the worst in postal service. But as a friend of mine likes to say, it is still pretty amazing. You can put a 55-cent stamp on an envelope, and it will be delivered anywhere in the country for you. Eventually. If you're one of those hardworking employees of the United States Postal Service, thank you for what you do. Please don't be offended at any jokes contained within. For those of you not familiar with the building worthy of an entire episode, check out the Chicago History Podcast Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and J-Date pages to see what it looks like. I'm kidding about the J-Date thing. I'm still waiting for approval there. A little background on the early days of the postal system here in Chicago. In the early 1800s, letters and newspapers making their way to Chicago would be delivered to Fort Dearborn, the local military post. Government mail delivery to Chicago began in 1831, two years before Chicago was even incorporated as a town. The very first post office, according to the December 1922 Fort Dearborn magazine, was situated in a log cabin that also had a general store. The first building designed solely for use as a post office in Chicago was completed in 1860 and was said to be fireproof. Pause for effect, but it burned in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. Allegedly, postal workers worked valiantly to save mail stored in the building from the fires and there was no delay in deliveries despite the devastation of the Great Chicago Fire. There were a few other temporary post offices after that, including one that burned in the fire of 1874. A post office designed in the Italian Renaissance style was built in 1880 at the site of the current Federal Center on the block bounded by West Adams, West Jackson, South Dearborn, and South Clark, which sounds pretty amazing, right? Except it had inadequate foundations and needed to be replaced after less than two decades. I should also mention, in the 1890s, one-sixth of the nation's mail was processed by the Chicago Post Office. It paid to be centrally located. Between 1896 and 1905, mail was handled at a building on Michigan Avenue between Washington and Randolph. Editorials in the newspapers back in the day called it a botch, B-O-T-C-H, botch, writing, quote, The original suggestions of the post office department as to handling and for the mails were rejected by the architect, who was working not so much for public convenience as for personal glory. In 1904, a ginormous federal building with a post office was constructed at Dearborn, Adams and Clark Streets, and Jackson Boulevard. There are a handful of buildings I wish I was old enough to have seen in person, and this is one of them. 
Postal Service began there in October of 1905. In 1913, Parcel Post was established, which meant Chicago-based retailers like Sears and Montgomery Ward could send their goods through the U.S. Postal Service. A new six-story post office was built in 1921, situated near railroad tracks and the west bank of the Chicago River's south branch. The new facility was amazing for about a minute. Okay, maybe five or six years before Chicago's explosive growth required that a much bigger post office be built. In the mid-1920s, in addition to train and truck, mail was brought to Chicago from such faraway places as St. Louis by aeroplane. On October 15, 1926, a new Chicago-St. Louis mail route was opened when a pilot left an airfield in suburban Maywood, Illinois, with bags containing 48 pounds of mail, making a stop in Peoria, then Springfield, and finally ending up in St. Louis, with a total flight time of just two and a half hours. The pilot on that route was young Charles Lindbergh, who one year later would go on to worldwide fame for making the first solo transatlantic flight in 1927 when he traveled from New York City to Paris at the ripe old age of 25. And for you fans of early aviation, like my pal Eddie, don't worry, I'm working on a whole episode about Chicago's involvement with that, so hold your propellers until then. I'll see myself out. We have discussed a little about Daniel Burnham's 1909 plan for Chicago here, but if you aren't familiar with it, here it is. It was a plan to make Chicago beautiful and efficient. I know, the history nerds are probably unhappy with my oversimplification, but really, that's kind of how it boils down. Utilize the rails and the rivers and everything at your disposal and create an infrastructure in Chicago that would make this city unbeatable. The architecture firm Graham Anderson Probst and White, the same firm who designed the Civic Opera Building discussed in the Samuel Insull episode of this podcast, were brought in on this project. They were Daniel Burnham's former firm and had changed their name after his death in 1912. Oh, one more thing about aviation that pertains to this story. Early plans for the new post office had provisions for airplanes taking off and landing on its roof. Government officials thought this was a great idea, but aviators of the day did not believe the roof had a sufficient area for landing. Leading up to the completion of the new post office, it was announced that it would be the largest mail distribution point in the world with 50 acres of floor space and 12 passenger elevators and 24 freight elevators. It would provide work for 12,000 men and women and would be equipped to handle 1.2 million letters an hour. I had to read that twice. 1.2 million letters an hour. I think my local post office can't do that many in a year. Not because they can't, they just choose not to. Post office jokes. By the 1940s, this location would eventually move 19 million pieces of mail per day. Good golly. 
The new post office would operate using 20 miles of conveyor belts utilizing 450 individual electric motors and thousands of feet of mail chutes to handle the hundreds of tons of parcels, mail, and newspapers every hour. According to the Times newspaper in Munster, Indiana, local companies supplying materials to complete the post office included the Calumet Steel Foundry, who in one contract received an order for 1,600 tons of smoke troughs and other equipment. The United States Gypsum Company received a contract for tile used in partition walls. And the E.L. Bruce Company was awarded a contract to install nearly 1.75 million feet of cellized wood tile. Not sure what that is. One of the largest installations of hardwood flooring ever made up until that time. I mentioned the above as the building of the new post office coincided with the Great Depression, where many were out of work, but before FDR's New Deal put many of those out of work back to work. The number of people needed to construct the post office meant many had jobs when they needed them the most. The new post office, bounded by Van Buren to the north, Canal to the west, Harrison to the south, and the river to the east, had its first ever cornerstone laid in 1932 and was completed in 1934. The final cost for this massive building, with its Art Deco-influenced design, was between $16 million and $22 million back in the day. At that time, there was no bridge to the east over the river, but as the developers knew there would eventually be an east-west expressway, part of Daniel Burnham's 1909 plan of Chicago, they built the new post office with access for trucks under it that could eventually be converted to roads. By the early 40s, dozens of trains and 5,000 trucks delivered or picked up mail from the old main post office daily, and although the roof was never used for planes, helicopters used the roof of the building to pick up mail for nearby cities such as Aurora, Joliet, Elgin, and Waukegan. While plans to construct an expressway linking downtown Chicago and the western suburbs were in the works in the late 1930s, they were not implemented before World War II diverted money and raw materials to those efforts. Finally, the plan to create an expressway that would go under the old main post office was initiated in the late 1940s, with the Congress Expressway opened in sections between 1955 and 1960. I will likely circle back to discuss what creating this major roadway meant to communities in its path in a later episode. Let me just say, oh boy... In 1964, the Congress Expressway was renamed the Eisenhower Expressway. The old main post office had its difficulties over the years. In October of 1966, mail operations there shut down for weeks and was responsible for the delay in delivery of 10 million pieces of mail. According to news reports, in September of that year, 10 Chicago mail order companies began mailing their catalogs, followed by direct mail advertising. Adding to that, New York Mayor John Lindsay had imposed a tax on bulk mail printers, so many moved their businesses to Chicago. 
There were a limited number of trucks coming in and out each day, and, prepare to be shocked, the streets near the truck docks were under construction, which slowed everything down even more. Mail nationwide was around 80 billion pieces annually, something not expected until the 1970s. Mail piled up in every available space of Old Main. Workers barely had room to walk and even less room to sort the growing stacks of mail. Fed-up workers often failed to show, and absenteeism on some days topped 10% of the 10,000 worker force. Local authorities requested permission to begin burning junk mail so they could focus on the more important mail. Mail was shuttled to other post offices to help, which then disrupted the flow of mail at those other post offices. And because you can almost see this coming, all of these issues generated even more mail as people began sending letters into congressional offices at Capitol Hill complaining about the poor mail service. It eventually got sorted out, no pun intended, but for a few weeks, mail service in 1966 must have felt like Kind of like mail service feels today. The U.S. Postal Service moved out of the old main post office in 1996. A new facility across the street was able to more easily handle newer sorting technology. One year later, Old Main made the Landmarks Illinois Most Endangered Buildings list. And in 2001, the building was named to the National Register of Historic Places. I talked about Old Main with my friend Blake, who has spent many years in construction and demolition, and he had some interesting insights. According to Blake, Old Main Post Office was almost demolished because of one key reason. There are massive columns spaced at close distances throughout the building. The columns and floors in Old Main had to support tons and tons of heavy mail on each floor, but those same columns use precious real estate that investors don't like to pay for and then have to work around. Blake also said the robust structural elements, he likes to use the word robust a lot, of the building probably saved it. I'm quoting Blake here. A building built like a fortress is a tough nut to crack for demo contractors, not to mention the logistics, expense, and permit fees of demolishing above an active expressway. He said the bids to demolish it were almost twice as much as a typical building of its size. Over the years, there were several suggested uses for Old Main, a terminal for a high-speed rail line, a casino, and yet the building sat dormant for years until 2009 when British billionaire Bill Davies bought it for $24 million at auction. Davies' plans for the property never materialized, and in 2016, then-Mayor Rahm Emanuel's administration threatened to use eminent domain to seize the building. Davies decided to sell it to the current owners for about $130 million. In 2018, Old Main Post Office was designated a City of Chicago landmark. That same year, a section of Congress Parkway, the road that leads from Grant Park West to where it meets the Eisenhower by the river, was renamed for civil rights activist Ida B. Wells and is, as of this writing, the only downtown street named for a woman of color. 
It also created what may be a Chicago first. There is now an intersection with the same name where Wells Drive meets Wells Street, making it the corner of Wells and Wells. And because Chicago. On May 30th, 2019, Chicago's 14th Ward Alderman Ed Burke was charged in a 14-count indictment based on a federal racketeering statute. One of those charges was based on an alleged attempt to extort legal business from the developers of the Old Main Post Office, 601 West Companies, in exchange for Burke's help. Former 25th Ward Alderman Danny Solis, also not unfamiliar with legal issues, wore a wire for the feds, which caught an annoyed Burke asking, quote, Did we land the, uh, tuna? I love that. Uh, end quote. In order to make the space usable again, asbestos and lead paint needed to be removed and dilapidated parts of the nearly century-old construction needed to be restored. My pal Blake said that during his walkthrough a few years back, the old post office still had mail carts and kick scooters that the postal employees would use instead of walking so they could cover distances faster. All that had to go to make this place ready for showings. All told, more than 20 million pounds of debris were removed during the renovation. In October of 2019, those participating in Open House Chicago, the yearly festival hosted by the Chicago Architecture Center, had an early look at the rehabbed Old Main Post Office, now known as Old Post Office. With an $800 million renovation, the property now claims 2.5 million square feet of multi-use office and event space. The 39-foot-high lobby has been restored floor-to-ceiling in marble, with more than 2,500 new windows installed to bring in more natural light. When fully occupied, the expected workforce at the building should number 12,000 to 14,000 employees. At that time, the complex already had commitments for nearly three-quarters of the building's leasable space, with names like Uber Freight, Walgreens, and the Chicago Board Options Exchange. One other key tenant, Ferrara Candy Company, who leased 77,000 square feet on the sixth floor, who planned to move 400 staffers there from their Oak Brook Terrace headquarters. In September of 2020, the nation's largest private rooftop deck opened on top of Old Main, giving workers at the building 3.5 acres of outdoor space to enjoy. Built at a cost of $19 million, the project required more than 10,000 helicopter lifts to transport the 300 truckloads of soil, 5,000 cubic yards of structural foam, and more. To the roof. The roof includes a quarter mile pedestrian path for walking and running, a three season heated bar and pavilion, a basketball court, and landscaping with more than 40,000 plants and trees. Sadly, it is not open to the public, and there is also no runway for planes. San Francisco based tech giant Cisco announced in mid August 2021 that it would move its regional offices from Rosemont to 130,000 square feet of office space in the old post office to accommodate 
1,200 employees. A Cisco spokesperson said the company sees the Chicago office as a, quote, space where teams can come together under a hybrid work model while showcasing how our technology can power a more hybrid way of working for our teams, customers, and partners, end quote. I could have used one more use of hybrid or at least synergy or verticalization in there. That's the one nice thing about spending a lot of time in old newspapers. I don't have to hear a lot of corporate speak. Chicago has not always been great at restoring and or repurposing buildings. The Uptown Theater and the Rialto Theater in Bridgeport come to mind, although I'm not giving up hope. But in the case of the old main post office, it seems to have turned out pretty great. listening to today's episode about Chicago's old main post office. As always, if you have questions about anything covered today, anything to add or have an idea for a future episode, I'd love to hear about it. Send me an email at chicagohistorypod at gmail.com. Check out the Chicago History Podcast Facebook and Instagram for articles and pictures related to this episode and past episodes posted throughout the week. The original art for the Chicago History Podcast used on the social media pages was created by the inimitable John K. Schneider. Thanks, Johnny. He can be found at JKS on Instagram or via email at angeleyesartjks at gmail.com. I will be back soon with another chapter in Chicago's history. Until then, get out and explore when possible. Learn more about whatever city you live in and stay safe.